Hello and welcome to episode 41, Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. This week talking about the effect of overland flow on a project quite pertinent at the moment. And my guest this week will be Mr. Bob Anderson, filling us with uh, amazing insight. We've got some great stories, some great examples. So make sure you tune into this episode. It promises to be, as usual, phenomenal. Catch you on the inside. Welcome to episode 41. Like I said, the effect of overland flow on a project. But before we get started, Property Millionaires Exposed, would you like to win yourself a copy? If you would like to win yourself a copy, uh, comment favourably either YouTube or Apple Podcasts and you go in the drawer. This week, this book is going to Peter Eason. Peter wrote us a really nice story on the developing journey he's been on since he did Bob's uh, property development course a few years ago and so a lot of the time people people do the course and we don't necessarily hear from them they've purchased the online or something but he actually came back and told us exactly how he's gone on and wrote a really lovely letter on how great things have been for him and the challenges and the good parts so this goes out to you Peter thank you for he's uh, in Queensland but thank you so much for sharing that and Bob really loves seeing that we always love to know how people are going so thank you and this will be in the mail to you very soon so Apart from that, this week's podcast brought to you by... Tell me. How about we go by Property Mastermind? Oh, yes. <laughs> Property Mastermind podcast brought to you by Property Mastermind. What a great sponsor. What a great sponsor. Oh. And just remember, most of the time you've heard it here first. Let's go there, cheeky. Mm, well, nearly always. Yeah, nearly always. Anyway, <laughs> Bob, thank you again for coming to share your knowledge with us and having a discussion to uh, enlighten people and a lot of the time the topics we come up with are because people have asked questions or we've got current people having these situations so we think right this is obviously useful well this is a pretty pertinent one at the moment it it is with with all the rain and the floods we've had lately and even post floods Still mm. plenty of rain happening. Mm. And so, yeah, overland flow and flooding, mm, hot topics. Hot topics. Well, what is the difference, Bob, between, I mean, you've just mentioned overland flow and flooding. So, you know, how do you see or what is the technical difference between overland flow and flooding? Well, I'll give you layman's, my, my layman's interpretation. I'm sure if you're a hydraulic engineer, you'd have... Uh, some very specific differences. But the way I look at it, just like an average person would, is overland flow is when water flows over land as, as a result of heavy rain. And often it's when the, the pipes, you know, the stormwater pipes and the grates and so forth can't deal with it. And therefore it just flows over the land. It flows downhill, obviously, as water does, and works its way to, you know, to the creeks and that sort of thing. That's overland flow. To me, flooding is sort of starts at the other end. It's when creeks rise and rivers rise up, break their banks, and then they start to spread. So and That's prob- a great layman term. One goes one way and one goes the <laughs> other way. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sure a, a hydraulic engineer would, would find that full of holes, but that's just the way I look at it, you know. 
Okay, and so the reason we've said that, it's quite pertinent at the moment because it's actually um, March 11, 2022, so we don't know when you will be listening to this podcast, but right now Queensland's just been through some pretty major flooding right down the east coast and it's gone right down through to New South Wales and they're on a world of hurts, very, very... Very major flooding, a lot of homeless people, um, people out of their homes, powers out. So it's, it's we thought, a, a sort of a good topic. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is serious flooding. What, yes. So that's definitely recently. coming the other way. <laughs> it's come up. It's definitely coming in the All other the way. All the rivers run. Yeah, they have been. So today's topic, uh, probably more along the lines of uh, overland flow. Yes. As opposed to flooding. We might do a flooding one one day, why not? And the reason for overland flow, because it's something that you need to be checking your sites for when you, it's part of your due diligence, so it's a good topic. Mm, definitely so, yeah. You can get in, get yourself into a bit of trouble if you don't. So how would you know uh, if a site is affected by overland flow, Bob? Yeah, well, I think you, you should always have a physical inspection of a site. Uh, That's a great, but what if you can't? <laughs> what if you're do, working on a site like as I am in Western Australia that I can't get to mm. well I can now finally the borders are open but you know construction is well underway yeah. There's, so I haven't actually I've never physically seen my development No. so how would that no. be for me for For Fortunately Info? you've got a very good joint venture partner Yes okay uh, got you in that one who looked at it obviously he would have physically inspected the site I think it's a bit of a, a danger to buy a property development site never having either yourself or an expert uh, inspect it but usually when you go to the site you know, you just pick it up. Uh, it, it, you can look around. You can look at, the, you know, the flatness. You look up the road. You know, if there's big culverts in the street, if there's a creek nearby, these are the sorts of things that sort of indicate potentially it could be an issue. Oh. Uh, it could be a gully that runs through through a block. Uh, so you, you can often pick it up physically, but most uh, most of the good council websites have mapping. Mm. Uh, where and, and that's what you need to do. In terms of floods, there's often what you call a flood regulation line and it might be the one in a 100-year flood or whatever they happen to have and there'll be a dotted line there and that's where the flood gets up to, let's say, one in a 100-year flood and the council might say, well, you can't build me on that dotted line. Overland flow uh, doesn't have flood regulation lines so, and, and really... No, oh, doesn't it? Well, no, it's because it's not it's a flood. Just, no, it's not coming <laughs> it, it, in the other it, way. It's, it's a flash thing. It happens yes. very quickly. I mean, overland flow, uh, you could have a situation of overland flow on a block that lasts, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, just a flash flood. And uh, so, yeah, uh, council websites usually can uh, Brisbane flag. council website's fantastic for oh, it's overland a, it's flow. It's a good one, it? yeah. yeah it's so easy. Uh, so you can go in there and uh, you can put that as one of the overlays and it'll show if the, if the lot is affected... It'll show how much it's affected, but, but generally, if a lot is affected in any way uh, and when you lodge your development application, council will definitely ask for, uh, well, it's called different things. It's a, hyd- a hydraulic report, it's a flood assessment report. I mean, they're called different things, but you will have to do a report mm. because, you know, although the, the council maps are reasonably accurate, uh, council insist that you get your own report. Mm, they don't want to be held liable no, for anything. Exactly. And so and things change too, Bob. Like things change. Even rivers yeah. change the way they oh, they behave, you know, if there's mm. a, a strong weather pattern that can change. Yeah, and, and buildings and fences and, mm. thing, and, you know, excavations and things change over mm. time. So it's not, not much point looking at 
uh, you know, what was an overland flow issue 20 years ago. You need to know what it is now. It actually reminds me, you might remember back a couple of years ago, we had a person was new to uh, Brisbane and they sent us an email. They'd found a property. They were really excited. They just were learning property development and they couldn't believe how lucky they were. They found this site that was straight away and, and you went, like you, because you know Brisbane so well, yeah. you said, have you checked your overland flow because that would be a reason that mm. the site was available at the price it was. Do you remember that? I do remember yeah. that, yeah. I don't a, think she went ahead. I hope she didn't. No, well, you no. told her not to, but... No, well, I, I, yeah. expect, I expect not. Yes. Yeah, for those that do know Brisbane, Kedron Brook yes. on the north side is, is normally a very quiet little creek. Uh, but a lot of the, the land around it's very flat, mm. and when it comes up, it just spreads. Mm. And that one was affected by by Kedron Brook. Which I mean, that brings me to almost the, the reason for the Queenslander houses, isn't it? I, one is for the the airflow, but the other one is for water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I first visited Queensland, I thought, I, "What the heck are those houses all doing up so high on stilts? There's so <laughs> many of them, and that's why I had no idea. I, I, just, I actually was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, although there's lots of flooding happening, you know, now and recently, mm. as we record, the further north you go, you get into the tropical areas. So I think like, Brisbane's subtropical, and then you go tropical as you go up. You can have a lot of rain in a hurry. Mm. Uh, look, um, you know, you could have 100 mil in, three, uh, in, in an hour easily. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it heavier than that. I've seen some incredible uh, falls. And it's that fast falling rain. Mm. That, that creates these issues with overland flow because all of a sudden the you know the, the storm water system those grates that you see in the gutters they, they're bubbling up they're overflowing there was a good point you pointed out when you go and physically take a look you said look out for things like where those that mm. there there are quite a few in the area it's a, it's a bit of a red flag and uh, that's a really great yeah great and, tip there and big wide culverts yes as well. Uh, yeah, low-lying land. Yeah, you, you get after a little while, you get a bit of a sixth sense to pick it up physically, but it's good to ha- good to be able to check with the council websites. So, Bob, what sort of impact does overland flow have on a site? Yeah, well, you can't just dam it up, and that's that's the issue. So, if you have overland flow on a block, and you want to build, let's say you want to build some townhouses, you can't just put them on the ground because that forms a bit of a dam wall for the uh, a, a dam wall or, or a dam wall. Are you cursing? A three, the three-letter dam. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no cursing. No cussing. Well, I, I could be cursing if I didn't do my due diligence properly right, and found okay. out after I purchased it, it's got mm. an overland flow problem. That yes. would be a damn nuisance, that yeah. one. But Damn, um, no damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, So you can't just dam it up uh, because not, not only would you impede it, but you'd, you'd actually probably push uh, water uh, into your neighbour's property and you can't really do that. So typically... Does that happen very often, seriously? What's that? That people push water into their neighbour's property. Well, you're not allowed to. You can't divert water. Um, So the neighbours can't be any worse off because of your development than they were before the development. It's it's sort of a a layman's way of describing it. But, um, yeah, so what do you do? Well, uh, you can build up. You can let the water flow underneath. Mm. And that's often what happens. Uh, You know, it's that they they have to build up. It's okay building a house up. After the floods in Brisbane, I know, when were they, 2013, the last floods? The last floods, not the recent ones of no, last week. No, a lot of houses that rebuilt, I mean, they were on like eight metre posts up in the air mm. and they looked ridiculous. 
but they didn't look ridiculous in the recent floods. Yeah, last week they looked great. Their neighbours were under and, and they weren't. Mm. Uh, so you've you got to let it flow underneath. Uh, overland flow is the same. Uh, you have to raise... What I mean by raising them, like typically what happens with something like townhouses, is you do a big concrete slab mm. suspended in the air, which you can do. Uh, they're not cheap. And you build the townhouses on the slab. So steps up and two. Well, depends. Um, quite often what would happen with, a, with a, a block of land with overland flow, it's going to be a block that slopes down from the road. Mm. That's going to be what it is typically. And it's going, so it's going to be the lower side of the road and typically a block that slopes downwards. And it doesn't mean the whole block gets inundated. And that's the point of actually having a hydraulic report done mm. by an engineer is to finalise how much of that lot actually gets wet in a particular rain event. Mm. And they've got a thing called medley modelling. They, they've, they've got all the science behind them to do that. And they have a look at the catchment uh, for the water in the, uh, where that particular site is. You know, and it, co- it could be quite a large catchment area. Anyway, they calculate that. They look at the contours and they work that out. And they've got a whole way. Don't ask me how it goes. I've read plenty of reports, but I, I don't know the science too well. But this modelling that they do uh, can calculate the height of the water... At its, at its extreme. Uh, they just got that wrong, apparently. Yeah. Oh, well, this is more well, overland flow I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, rather yeah, sorry, flooding. flooding. I've gone the other way, yeah. So, uh, and, and look, it might only... I've seen, I've seen sites where the council map says it does have some overland flow, and at the end of the report, it doesn't. So that's good news. I've so s- how can it go from having some overland flow well, to Well, because the council map wasn't accurate enough. Oh, so it says on the council map that mm. it was, but the actual report you get done, yeah. it wasn't. Oh, okay. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, that's great. So that can happen everywhere. That, that's a it, can, it can happen in some places, yeah. Good tip, number t- tip number two, Bob. Two great tips there. Well, you got, I mean, either way, council are going to make you get an overland flow assessment. And, uh, and, and you want one anyway. Mm. So Just that for could, that reason alone. Yeah, that could happen. Alternatively, the engineering report discovers that it, it flows over some of the lot, but not all of it. Mm. Now, that's good. So the, what they're really trying to work out is what, the, what is the depth of the water? You know, it could be that the whole lot goes under. Now, sometimes even if it gets touched by overland flow, you have to get the report, the engineer's report comes out, and let's say it says, oh, the bottom five metres of the block, you know, the back, the back five metres, let's say five or six metres, uh, gets wet. Well, that's virtually no difference because with most councils, you can't build... In, no that, in that back yeah. five, uh, five or six metres, that's mm. normally your setback from the back boundary. So it's not going to affect the building at all. Mm. And so that's good news as well. But it's when it's coming up where you want to build, mm. that's where it becomes an issue. And where, and I mean, if it, if it was only a little bit, it might only affect half of the back townhouse. That's not too bad. As in to build up, that you can actually yeah. work around that. Well, if you only have to build up half a townhouse... Uh, a little bit at the back. That that's not too bad. There's mm. a little bit of an expense in it, but but I mean, some of the lots are, are totally inundated with overland flow, mm. in which case you have to lift uh, the whole project up. Have you? Uh, I know you have, but can you share uh, one of uh, a project you've done where, where you've had to deal with overland flow? And where was it? And what was yeah. your experience? Was it m- much more costly than you thought? Did you get it right? Did you get it wrong? Was it early days or late days? Well, there's a few questions in yeah, there. I know. Right? I'll, I'll, well, well, there's <laughs> one I'll choose. <laughs> it's it, it was done in Brisbane. It was done in the, the suburb of Turinga. How long ago? Oh, 2000 and I don't know, 12, 13 probably. Okay. 
so this was a six townhouse project. The lot was a little bit different. That's probably why I chose this one. Normally, we're talking about lots that slope down from the road in, a, in you know, a, a sort of a steady gradient. This particular one was what I called a V-shaped block. It had a gully through the middle. So imagine you've got the road and then the block goes down and about halfway down the block, it reaches the bottom of a gully mm. and then the back half goes back up up again. Mm. And, and same with the neighbours. And so this, this was a gully mm. that ran quite a distance. Uh, and so in a wet event, the water flows down the catchment and flows down through all the properties, but through, through this gully mm-hmm. in the centre of the lot. And so we couldn't build in that gully. At the bottom of the gully, there happened to be a very big stormwater pipe and also the sewage, sewage pipes were in there as well, which is fine. I mean, it's the lowest part of the lot, so therefore we can get connection to stormwater and sewage for our townhouses, but mm-hmm. a bit of a weird shape. So what we had to do is build a concrete slab right across the gully. We bridged the gully. How Basically, big was it? What was, the, what was the size of that? Well, it was at the bottom of the gully. It was about two metres above the bottom of the gully. Okay. And it ex- it covered probably three quarters of the length of, of the block. So interestingly enough, because of this V-shaped block, the level at the road mm. was pretty similar to the level at the back of the block. So it sort of went down and came up. So we just bridged bridge that V, bridge that V-shape, that ah, gully. Ah, the V you're talking about is the down-up V. Yeah. Okay, so you just basically slotted a piece of concrete on top. and Wish it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know when you build cards and you're making those little mm. houses and you put that you put that yeah. there. Okay, I got you. So there was a lot of engineering in that design. Uh, part, the water wasn't necessarily that high, mm. uh, but the council insisted, because the, the sewer and the water pipe a stormwater and sewage pipes are in the bottom of the gully. Mm. They they insisted we have a two metre head height in case that ever needed to be accessed, and so you could get small machinery in there, mm. you know, bobcats and that sort of thing. If ever we had to work on the pipes. was that major bob to actually have that two metre access, or was that just easy? It made really no difference. That was just oh. an engineering design yeah. thing you dealt with. When you come to building suspended slabs up in the air, you know, whether you're bridging a gully or mm. or a whole block, much the same. So you have to have uh, concrete piers that hold up. You know, big thickening beams yep. that hold up the slab. I built one once, you know. Yeah. My Pilates studio was tilt slab. Oh, big drop. it was on a tilt. Yeah, it's like big mm. slab on slab slab, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this slab we poured. Uh, I think it took about 40 cubic metres of concrete from memory. Uh, it was done in one day, big pour. I, I did have an issue, though. At the shoveling, bit, shoveling it all on? Shove, no. Yeah, wheel, wheelbarrowing it. No, I no. had nobody to help me. I no. wheelbarrowed 40 <laughs> cubic metres in a day. Did you? you did you? Did you <laughs> That's why I'm so fit. Um, no. By the way, he probably just turned up the next day and checked yeah. that it went okay. Well, what actually happened during the design of that, I mean, we knew it was there. We knew we'd have to do it. Uh, and I had a structural engineer who worked in the in the same firm as a very good hydraulic engineer that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I'd, I'd never used him before, but I did on this. And when I saw the design that came out, it was unbelievable. I knew it was just going to cost an absolute fortune. It was so over-engineered, I reckon you could have built a 10-storey building on it, not just two-storey townhouses. You often talk about over-engineering, oh, don't you? It was terribly over-engineered. Yep. Yep. Um, I Why do they do that? Why do oh, engineers well, over Oh, so their butts safety. covered. Yes, yeah. okay. We ended up uh, having to talk to lots of other engineers. We ended up finding one and, and completely redesigning it mm-hmm. so that we could build it at 
at, at the, you know, the right cost, if you like. I think that's tip number three. If we're, I've actually pointed out tips today. The, th- uh, the third thing that you said that I think might be useful for developers, potential developers, new developers, wherever you are. Bob just went, he looked at something that thought and said, no, that's over-engineered, that's too expensive, and went and sourced somebody else to do it. So we don't always need to take the first. Well, yeah, but the problem was I'd spent $25,000 on it. Bless the guy. So I burnt twenty five grand. I never used him again. No. And I told everybody I've ever knew Not ever since then. <laughs> it would have cost him a lot more than uh, doing it properly. But anyway, that happens. Mm. So, uh, and, and it was a big enough project. It was a six townhouse project. So if you like it, you know, 25000 is about $4,000 per townhouse that I burnt mm. on the wrong engineer. Uh, but it could absorb that, yeah, $4,000. So, yeah, so that was, that was one. That was a little bit interesting, that one, I thought, mm. why well, I mentioned it. And, uh, yeah, we ended up building that. Went well. So how do you know the levels? Well, we work off the engineers' uh, flood assessment report. So they'll, they'll do all their calculating. They'll work out how high the water gets. They'll allow a fudge factor, like a, what they call a freeboard above that, and that becomes your finished floor level. Okay. Yeah, so those sorts of reports, no, they probably cost around the $4,000 mark. But worth their weight in gold. Oh, yeah. Well, the council insists on oh, them well, if, if it tips over land flow in any event. Uh, and look, but the, but the thing is, like, those sort of reports take a bit of work to do. Mm. So it's not unusual to take three or four weeks for an engineer to actually come up with that report. So if you're doing your due diligence, you need to make an allowance for that. Mm. A lot of the due diligence we do, we can do immediately. Mm. You know, we can have a look at Dole before you dig initially. We can see where the pipes are. We can see if we're going to get fall to the sewer. I mean, that's a matter of minutes to do that sort of thing. But but with, with an overland, overland flow, uh, it's... It's, it's complex calculations, and and you know you got better allow f- you know th- at least four weeks. Do you ever find Bob that perhaps uh, you see sites for sale with a DA and that's an issue, which is why they decided to on sale or, or looking for a wood duck or? Oh yeah, now this is this often that's a good point. Gee, that, you've raised a good point because over the years I've seen lots of sites that have a development permit for sale that have overland flow issues that have been solved because that, that that issue has to be solved to get a development permit yeah and so it has but it's been f- sold expense solved well, with expense that's the thing and when you look at the actual uh, development permit plans particularly mm. the side elevations you, you can see the, the the suspended slab you can see how high it is off the ground and so forth ching 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 ching, 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 ching. So, all coming off your bottle yeah. line dum, 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 so, dum. like like just to use a bit of a round figure, it, it costs in the vicinity of around $50,000 extra to build a townhouse on, on the raised slab. Per townhouse? Per townhouse, yeah. Okay. So on a four-pack, that's $200,000 extra. Mm. Uh, that's just to do it. Uh, so, But what often happens and what I've seen is you've got uh, mums and dads that own a site. Uh, it's got an old house on it. They could sell it as a house. They think, no, I get a lot more money if I get a development permit, which we know is not always the case at all. So they get a development permit. But during the process, they find out, oh, my goodness, I've got overland flow. They didn't even know what it was. Mm. And so, you know, they get Didn't the even re- know it was a thing. They get the report, uh, you know, town planner, architect, somebody's organising the development permit. You know, eventually it gets done. But what they do, and this is what I've seen so often, mm. is they price that site like one down the road, across the road, that doesn't have that problem. Mm. So let's say the other side of the road, let's say last week, somebody sold, 
that their lot uh, for $800,000. And so mum and dad on the other side of the road think, oh, well, that's great. Mine must be worth $800,000 too. So they put $800,000 mm-hmm. on their site, not realising that it's an extra $200,000 worth of cost in there that you can't get back. Mm. And so their site should be at the most 600000 or even technically even less uh, because it's not just the bill cost. You've got interest on the bill cost and other things. Mm. And, and, and it's a bit of, bit of pill to swallow. That is a great point, For those Bob. mum and dads who don't know anything about, um, don't know anything about property development. Yeah. And, and, and when, when you're trying to explain that to them, they think, oh, well, property developers just trying to rip me off. Mm. And I've seen so many overpriced sites like that. And I've seen people buy them not realising the extra cost. Mm. They think, oh, yes, had overland flow. Anyway, the problem's been solved. It's got a development permit. It should be right to go. Mm. Not realising that, yeah, that it's going to come at, at an expense which comes off your bottom line and possibly stops the deal from even working. Or yeah. when people... That's, I think we've alluded to this in the past, just because it might make a small profit. But you've got to remember that you, it's harder to get money. Not everyone's going to loan you money if you're making a small profit because the sneeze factor, oh, which is well. you can sneeze and lose that small profit, you have to still – it has to make a percentage before yeah. financiers. Good are, point. Yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, that, that, is, that is a good point because now that somebody's bought an overpriced site, the mm. building's another $200,000. That comes off – that affects your margin. So – it might have been, you know, if they didn't have that problem, you know, it might have been a, you know, an 18 or a 20% margin. Now it's gone down to like 12 or 13. And the issue is that, like you just said... Getting finance. Well, you won't, no one's going to finance it. Yeah. And people, I think that's a, another thing that's a bit of a misconception. Like people think, well, it still makes money, I'll do it anyway. But no. you can't get finance. I've heard that so many times. Oh, me too. I've, we still you know, hear it now. You look at a feasibility and it's showing 12%. The bank says, oh, I want at least 18 but but people who not, aren't aware of that, they do their fees, that shows 12%. But it's making 400000 at 12%. I think, well, hey, I'll do it for 400000 Issue is, well, unless unless you don't have to go to a bank, unless you've got enough cash that yeah. you don't need to go to a bank, yeah, sure, take the risk, shoot for 12%. But you can't rock up to a bank and get any money for that. No, they're not, they're not really keen on the 12% no, uh, margin. No, don't do those ones. No, they're not into not, those. not on something like townhouses, no. you know. No. Maybe a splitter. Yeah, but, um, I think we've covered that anyway yeah. in another podcast. But I, we did. You, but, it, was, but it flows out of that. Absolutely. You know what, what started off as an overland flow issue is turned into a an, an, an expensive uh, solution where somebody didn't realise the impact on construction mm. and now it's affected whether they can do it or not. It's just a flow-on effect. So if you've got a mum or dad who you're trying to get this through and you're trying to buy their site, just say, can you just go listen to episode 41 of the Property Mastermind <laughs> podcast where they explain it in layman Good terms? Good idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bob, have we got anything else you'd like to add to today's podcast? Well, not really, other than it's the old buyer beware uh, or developer beware in our case. Mm. Uh, sites do have overland flow whenever possible do a physical inspection you can tell a lot from doing that yep. certainly do your research check council websites whatever you have to do uh, if it does don't necessarily run the other way uh, but be aware that uh, you should make that planning town planning sorry that hydraulic report uh, that would be part of your due diligence mm. and i've looked at sites and done the hydraulic report and it's come up badly and I've walked away and I've spent, you know, three and a half thousand on the report. To me, that's just insurance. Mm. I, don't, I don't get upset that I spent three and a half thousand to find out a deal's not going to work and I walk away. Mm. Uh, that's what I call punting money. 
uh, far cheaper to do that than to buy a lemon. Mm, than to buy a lemon. I think that's it. I think we've covered everything we need to cut. I think that was okay. a great uh, a great summary, Bob. And as usual, some really useful information there. The difference between overland flow and flooding um, and quite quite topical at the moment where we mm. live and in New South Wales as well. So for all of you out there who are being affected currently by the flooding, um, we wish you, uh, I don't know, just sending... Speedy recovery. Yeah, speedy recovery from where you are. And hopefully you're back back to where you need to be soon so thanks so much Bob really insightful great useful tips Uh, I think that will be something that everyone can learn something from and remember if you've got one of those mums or dads that needs to learn about this (laughs) just send them along also a reminder too if you're interested in the the book to get favour comment favourably but hey Property Mastermind's got some pretty cool stuff coming up over the Yay, next few we months have, yeah. we're just finalising a few uh, a few venues and dates and things so just the website's not completely all go with everything but if you're on our mailing list please uh, just remember we only send out the emails on a Thursday so Thursdays, open your email and there is a list of what's going on and there will be more more exciting things coming your way if you'd like to join our mailing list. There'll be a link below this, so click on and join our mailing list for the one email a week where you can be kept up to date because we have got some pretty cool stuff coming up, don't we, Bob? And you will want to be part of it. So, mm. yeah, stay, stay around, stay uh, aware. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right, we will catch you next week for episode 42. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.